When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, this is Emil Heskey and you're listening to the guys on Coppen Fracas. The best word I can say is what this to a very reflective Coppen Fracas pod this week. Um, before I do continue, of course, please make sure that you're tuning in to all the Patreons that we have coming up. We've got the very special therapy session between Christian and Fahi. You'll see the boys opening up. We've got the weekend preview. Pause. Pause, man. Oh. <laughs> what are you saying? Is that, is that how long we lasted? Okay, well, um, that one, that one, that one, bro, listen, bro. man. Pause the <laughs> listen, man. That one we say for the only fans. You gotta pay more than three pound a month for that one. Jesus. <laughs> and then, last but not least, of course, the post match. Um, if you're brave enough with Yak Fahi and Harold uh, on Saturday evening. But I can't believe you know, Harold is podding again. By the way, <laughs> when I saw Harold's name on the roster. <laughs> You have to hear Listen, it to man. believe it, my brother. Listen, man, when uh, Brighton Harold slap us like, down you know, at you three know o'clock. Season. You know Royal Rumble <laughs> season when there's that special act that comes out for yeah, like yeah. one ten minutes. <laughs> That's Harold. Yeah. It's like when cool. Jeff Jarrett just pops out of nowhere, yeah? <laughs> so, bro, bro Harold, Harold is like Chris Jericho. He's, the amount of returns my man has done. <laughs> He's gone. Well, it never loses novelty. Returns. It never loses novelty. That's the bro, thing. Bro, heritage. He's cop end heritage. <laughs> cool boys so as you can hear listener apologies for the hectic start it was the the opposite of what i had planned so uh, I, can, I have to apologize for that personally but we've got a very busy podcast and 
instead of giving you the name of who's on, I'm just going to ask each of the gentlemen who have gone through a very traumatic Liverpool week to just give me a lyric of how they're going to be feeling this podcast. Krish. I walk for miles inside this pit of danger. Nice. Oh, by the way, listener, from uh, what, what would it be? From Wednesday, you'll have the chance to enter our competition with no prizes of what song this lyric comes from. So that was Chris. Fahi, what you got? Memories made in the coldest winter. <laughs> Mike? If it walk like an op, talk like an op, <laughs> smell like an op, then it must be. <laughs> They're playing against us. They're playing against us, bro. And Pete? I know heartbreak well, man. I got her on speed dial. <laughs> And then I guess I've got contribute. Yeah, my one is, I don't know what's worth fighting for or why I have to scream. So that's mine. So anyway, as you can see, guys, the most not, not the most positive start, but we have to discuss this football club that we support, gentlemen. And I want to start off, of course, the last pod was imminently after our loss to Brighton. Our, you know, our fortune, fortunes did turn up a little bit as we recorded a draw against Wolves in the FA Cup. So before we start, I guess, Mike, I'll come to you first. FA Cup, a bit of an exit from our Premier League, you know, roller coaster. How were you feeling about feeling about the FA Cup in general? Obviously a competition we won just last season. And how were you feeling about that Wolves game? Bro, listen, I love the FA Cup. So whenever we're in the, the third round weekend, all the little all the drama that happens on this weekend, I'm always excited. And I was thinking, look, Game against Wolves, Anfield, 8 o'clock kickoff. Let's see Gakpo play. Let's see Nunes do something a bit. I was, I was actually looking forward to the game. So, yeah, I was looking forward to it. Excited. Always love the FA Cup. I'm just thinking it'll be a nice chance for us to see a few players. You know, I thought he would experiment with midfield and try maybe put Kater in, but he didn't. So, yeah, I was I was excited, looking forward to it. And then obviously what happens, happens. And it's uh, not the, the, best, the best game for us. But, uh, yeah. That's, that's how I was feeling before the game, excited. And uh, Pete, I guess <clears throat> for you, like uh, Mike said, we saw Cody Gakpo make his uh, debut for the club. And um, we were expecting a lot. I think we need a lot. So what were you kind of expecting from Gakpo early on? Well, Mike said he was excited to watch Liverpool. Don't joke with that one. <laughs> Don't joke with that one. Don't joke with that one, please. <laughs> like, before that time, I was just thinking, oh, damn, playing again. <laughs> like, just every time, every game, just like, oh, damn, we're playing again. So, um, and then, do you know what it is? It's like, when you're playing these early rounds, you're just like, you don't really want to play Premier League opposition this early. Because when you play Premier League opposition that early, that means you're going to have to feel somewhat of a strong team. So, obviously, I saw that we're playing Premier League opposition, and I saw that with Wolves. And I was like, oh, that could be a bit of a struggle. Um, the only thing that was exciting me was that we were going to, obviously going to see the, the debut of, of Cody Gakpo. And obviously, Klopp's in his press conference that Gakpo would be involved. And you kind of figured that really he's probably not going to start Oxford, like, what, the third, fourth game in a row that we'd, um, we'd probably see Gakpo. So, yeah, that excited me. Um, the pictures of Gakpo and Nunes together. Move me a little, a, a little. <laughs> small, small brought the feeling back. Small, small. Move me a little. You guys are starving, man. Images. Not too much, but yeah. 
So yeah, I was excited to see what they could cut. You know, just just a little, just a little start. You know, just a little. little yeah, it <laughs> And then, uh, Chris, I'll come over to you. Obviously, we had other areas of the team. Um, we had so a man who's probably gone from the TL favourite to now being grossly attacked again. We had uh, Costa Simicas back into the team. We um, we saw Konate and Matip start together. So uh, how were you feeling about how we were setting up at the back? Yeah, it looked good, didn't it? I mean, <clears throat> anytime you put your essential first team 11 out against Wolves' C team. You guys sit there and you're thinking, ah, you know, this is um looking quite good. Especially when, you know, that game for me, there's a, there's a little bit of extra pride on the line. You know what I mean? I don't want to get, yeah, yeah. you know, 9 million text messages from fellow people from Wolverhampton going, oh, you lot of shit, eh, yeah? Oh, look at that. How can you let us come <laughs> into your... How can you let us come to our field and beat you, lot? So it's always like a little extra to kind of get the win there, but... No, nah, we, we, we need to stop the niceties, man, and just talk about how they truly disgraced themselves once again. Because I, I can't believe... You, you expect senior-level players like that and, you know, not get rattled by mistakes, but they're so inside their own heads at the moment when the littlest thing goes wrong and they let a little bit of momentum swift, switch away that they just crumble. It's actually nasty stuff to watch, and I hate watching it now at the moment. I feel I, I completely understand Peter's pain. Normally, you're sitting there thinking, "Oh yeah, Liverpool." Get to watch Liverpool play the great Liverpool. Now he's watching, thinking, "For God, I've got to watch this for ninety minutes and then talk about it." Is this this is this is pain. This is serious pain. Well, I mean, it didn't take long for the for the bozo moments to kick in. Uh, Fahi, come to you, the perfect man to come to, to um, you know, to go deep into the explanation of bozoism so uh in basically allison the one man who's come out with all credibility this season don't think any other player has he decided to join in on the act so tell me what happened and what the hell you were thinking i bro i don't understand what my man was doing he all right i I get the situation with tiago you know he, he won the ball allison was a bit scared that there was a foul involved but Allison had the ball at his feet. He's like, okay, you've got the ball at your feet. You've got two Wolves players in front of you, one on the right, one on the left. Kick it out. He decides to kick it out, but he kicks it towards the Wolves player. I don't actually understand what happened there. I'm really confused as to what his thinking was. And ultimately, it's his first bozo moment of the season. Ali does usually have him. He has about one or two. Every good goalkeeper does, does have a bozo moment. So I will let him off. It was just really irritating to watch, though. And it was like, you know, when it happened, you don't even like react anymore. I just, I, I'm just kind of numb to it. And I see, I'm like, for fuck's sake, not again. Because I, I was just like, go yo, into... we're one nil down. The game's begun. That, that that's how I look Bro, at it. You, I wait yeah, for us to go exactly. one nil down. You fully, you fully go into every game this season expecting Liverpool to go down one nil first. You fully expect it every single game. So it's like, there's no surprise when Wolves score. It was obviously a surprise Ali caused the issue, but it's like, I'm not surprised that we went 1-0 down because it's going to happen again next week and the week after and the week after. I think 58% of our games this season, we've gone down first, I think. I think it's like 58 to 60%. So there's a one in two chance we're going to go 1-0 down. Uh, it feels like it happens pretty much every single game. But yeah, I, I wasn't surprised at all. And I, I'm just so numb to it, man. I'm so numb. I'm sick and tired of it. FA Cup, like 
like Mike said, you kind of get excited about the third round and you're thinking, yeah, you know, th- this will be a nice tie, all this kind of stuff. But they just let you down, man. That was our best 11. Our best 11, and they still somehow fucked it up. I mean, Mike, Alison, we, we literally have, have been lauding the praise onto him, and deservedly so. Do, is there any explanation as to why he did what he did? Because I don't associate Alison with making the wrong choice. He can execute things badly sometimes, but I don't associate Alison with poor decision-making. So what the hell happened? Bro, do you know what? I have no idea. I think if you remember the Brentford goal, the second one they score, he does something similar in that the mistake he makes isn't the mistake he actually makes where he passes it to the Wolves player. The mistake he makes is initially passing to Thiago. Because when he passes Thiago, Thiago's under pressure. So the pass is never on. So Thiago then forces it back to him. He thinks there's a foul. And then he kind of rushes it, tries to kick it out, but the Wolves player is there. But the initial mistake was actually passing to Thiago in the first place. And against Brentford, he passed to Elliot, I think, in their ball up to the second Brentford goal, if you watch it back, when Elliot wasn't ready to receive the pass. And I think ultimately, Allison's just actually has not had a really good two games. I think against Brentford, I don't think he had his best game. And that obviously now we've seen him against Wolves and have a really good game. Just poor pass, poor. The one thing you always say about Allison is when he passes, he passes, he executes his passes well, as you mentioned, and always chooses the right pass. He chooses the right pass, gonna help us take up take us up the pitch, or he, he he selects a pass that you think, okay, that's a sensible pass to make in that in that in that situation. But we've seen in the last two games him make the wrong choice quite a few times in the board at his feet. So yeah, you know, and, and like far you said, when you see the mistakes happen now, I'm just kind of just I just feel like a sense of apathy. Like I don't feel like upset when we lose the game. I don't Desensitized, feel yeah. I'm just like just apathy. Like I was buzzing for the game. I was thinking, yeah, you know what? It's gonna be a break from the Premier League, you know, FA Cup, third round, Gapco debut, Nunez, new front three to watch. When you see them make mistakes like that, you just think, whatever, man, whatever. Like, even when we scored equalizer, like, I can, you know what equalizer moved me small, small, I wouldn't lie. The equalizer moved me small. We'll get small, on to small. that. Don't worry about it. When that. Nunez does that, the little There's celebration. There's only one person that can move you small, small. Yeah, that's yeah. it. <laughs> Nunez, Nunez. But yeah, just Alison's mistake. It's just one of those things where it's just like he's having a I think he's entering, hopefully not for too long, but he's entering kind of a rougher period of or rougher patch of form, rather. Yeah, and I guess the rest of the players owe him, right? For for everything that he's done covering them. But I mean Have you have you seen our expected goals against in the league, by the way? What is it? Um, it will make you physically ill. Uh, is it not like 27? 27.75. So for Wait, reference... Expected goals against. Expected what, goals what against. Have we, what have we actually conceded? Um, 22. So he's kept... That's down to He's, 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 he's kept, kept out five kept, goals. He's essentially kept out six goals. So like just for reference, Wait. cities have got the best one at 14.3. Um... Full, and then like Fulham's is like thirty five point one eight, but it's ridiculous. Like our, our expected goals against is level is essentially a mirror image of Southampton's. It's more than Southampton's by one. So hold on, we're expected to concede double the goals City are. Yeah, that's scary, man. What about where are Arsenal on this? Uh, they are the second best. Um, uh, point six one behind um, City. Also, don't forget that those that number is showing that we're expected to concede more than one point five goals a game, and that's just down to the pure <laughs> volume, you know of, like quality of chance. Is. 
It's nasty. It's sickening. That's why I can't get onto Allison for the mistake because he's actually saved nah, us so this, much. This well, this, well, this, that's the thing, Mike. Like, you, you generally can't think about the times he's bailed us out this season with just big saves from massive chances that we've essentially gifted opposition. It's absolutely just absurd. And and I guess we ultimately naturally go one nil down as always. Pete, what do you think about our response in terms of that first half prior to the goal pushing? Um, it wasn't good for the, like for the first like five ten minutes. You can see they were rattled, and like that, that was Wolves' is probably best moment in the game. And they like were constantly just like they were on the ball, they were dominating, they were making. Um, that they were making, not I want to say chances, but you know, it was just like kind of like they were having the ball in our um, half and they were creating like little little opens as such. Yeah. Disrupting. So, yeah, and we started losing the ball a lot. Robertson, I think it was Robertson that actually started that game. He started losing the ball um, quite a, a bit in that, in, that, in that game as well. I didn't forget his best game. Uh, Matip's passing went wayward a couple of times as well in that spell. Um, What's going so, on with Matip, by the way? I feel like he's been poor. Yeah, recently. I, I agree with you, to be honest. I feel like, like Chris said in the chat, quietly, very quietly, we've got kind of like a centre-back issue, like, where like... Oh, it's not, bro, it's not, not so fine. quiet, brother. It's not so not quiet. Fine. We're going to get... That's a whole section today. Matt is regressing and Gomez is... Yeah. Let, let me not it, talk it, about it. Listen, man, it breaks my heart to say it, and I said it in the chat. He's. I don't think he's at the level required right now. And it's it, like we could obviously our midfield is obviously the main cause, but our defense is really like out of form as well at the moment. Um, obviously, probably apart from Trent, he's regained his form, but um, yeah, our center backs are kind of not really playing well. And Matip, he's just I don't know, man, he's not as like aggressive anymore, he doesn't really win his duels like that. And yes, he, he, he still does the build up thing kind of well, but when he does lose the ball in that kind of build up stage, it really really hurts us. Yeah. But um, yeah, our, our, our kind of response to that goal wasn't good. And unfortunately, a moment of quality from Trent just literally lifts us. And you can see us just give that boost. But yeah, it was just an absolutely um, fantastic moment of quality from Trent to really just kind of get us back in the game. But our, our initial response to that, I don't think was great. I mean, Pete's touched on it. Chris, we, we've been, we, we know what this, this boy's all about. And to be running about halfway up the pitch, bouncing ball, running full sprint, and then to control an arced ball over the top. What were you thinking when, when Trent just produced that moment? It's one of those ones where we've, with Trent, I think it's like we've normalised it now. You know, when you just like see extra or, extraordinary stuff week in, week out from him, it's kind of like, yeah, I expect that from now on. But when you look at just like the delivery, the pinpoint accuracy, it's on a, Literally, like Nunes has got like a fifty pence piece on his boot, and it's like it's literally like lasered to there. He just manages to do the, the quality stuff, the, the the absolutely audacious stuff that you would generally try when you're about fourteen, fifteen with your mates and seven aside, um, switching a ball into the, into the corner, and you you know you think you were you know on the be the absolute business, um, and he's doing it at the highest possible level. The passing with Trent, I, yeah, like I said, it's just, it, we've just normalised it at this point now, but. The defending man, since the World Cup, he's come back and he's looked way more physical. Yeah. He doesn't look like he's getting flustered and, and overwhelmed. Which way more active. Way more active, which, can, I mean, the overwhelming bit, considering the state of this Liverpool back four in the midfield in front of him. Um, you know, we missed the headers and volleys. We'll, we'll, I guess we'll talk about him in a bit um, in front of him <laughs> as well. Um, and obviously Harvey Elliott, who's, you know, he's doing his best, but he's not in the best kind of, you know, 
position to obviously shield Trent and give him extra bit of protection. He's been holding his own. I've been really impressed from, with him. Now, we, I think we have these periods with Trent where we kind of say, yeah, he looks like he's improving, but it could take one bad moment to kind of revert back to, to old habits. But I just think the World Cup's been a big, big um, wake-up call for him. And it's really mm-hmm. adjusted himself to kind of switch back on and say, I need to get back to the elite player that I have been for the past so many years. Um, and just it literally, it's just time to shut people up on these little details that people keep getting at me for because I am very much, very clearly the best right back in world football. Yeah, and I think I completely agree. And I think it's just about the good outweighing the, the poor, right? The poor can exist, but if it's mm-hmm. 10 great moments for every poor moment, I don't think hey, listen, no listen, one ever did care, right? Everyone, when that was the balance. Exactly. It's the same with everyone in life, you know what I mean? We've all got our, our, our really good qualities that you know we hope outweigh our somewhat bad qualities and they overshadow, you know, they, you know we, we hope we do enough with those qualities to kind of people to overlook that. So it's just is what it is, man. I don't think your dog agrees with the number of good qualities you have. No, he really doesn't. He's, he's like, you lying piece of shit. <laughs> and again, you know what I mean? <laughs> Get this guy off the mic. Um, now, ultimately, Mike, a pass is only good and rememberable when it's finished. Someone who who the only the bastion of the feeling in this Liverpool squad. He uh some people are saying are playing down the finish, saying off his shin, didn't mean to put it there, so on and so forth. How did you how did you see that finish? That's the quintessential Liverpool Darwin Nunes goal for me. One touch finish, running onto it. That's him. Nunes is a sort of player we've seen him when he has time to think. He does not finish. He's not a very composed player. I think he lacks the poise of some of the top strikers at the moment. You think of your Lewandowski, your Haaland's, who when they have time, you actually think they're going to, you're more convinced they're going to score. Mm. Even a Harry Kane, for example, Mbappe, these kind of strikers, when they have time, they have a really clear mind and they have a really clear idea what they're going to do. I think with Nunes, sometimes when he has time, he tries to pick the absolute perfect finish and ends up scuffing it. Or he just overthinks and ends up not doing anything at all. He'll try and go for a pass. He just makes the wrong decision when he has time. So I think for him, when I saw the ball come over, I was like, "Yeah, this is this is this is uh, this is Nunes territory." He's running onto it. He's put his hand up. He's seen Trent, bang, goal. So I was. It's not a mistake. Nunes can finish. Like I think we're going to see, hopefully in 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 months and not years, that he's going to get that maturity and get that composure where when he is through on goal, he can finish. It's just for him getting that mindset and calming himself down and having that confidence in his ability that look, even when he has time, he can still finish it. So it's not people downplaying it. Ultimately, I think people have got this image in their head of him as being this kind of like just terrible finisher. And I understand it. Look, I get it. He's someone at the moment, I was saying to Farouk in the group chat, is really frustrating me when I watch him. He's exciting me, but also when I see him do stuff, I'm just like, brother, what are you actually doing? Like, what are you doing? Um, but yeah, man, like he can finish one touch. There's no issues with his one touch finish, I don't think. Like most of his goals for us, actually all of his goals for us have been in one way or another a one touch finish, whether it's a back here, whether it's a header, whether it's a um a volley, it's always been one touch. So when he has no time to think, instinctive finishes, easy. And Pete, do you think this is almost hopefully a, a springboard for Darwin? Obviously, we've seen the last few weeks. The chances have been there, the finish hasn't, and and you could see the relief in the celebration that, you know, one has finally gone in. He'd done so many things right. Um, do you think this kind of bodes well for the weeks coming ahead? Um, do you know what? I think with Nunes, I think, I wouldn't say it's like a, a springboard for him, but it's just, it, it's football. I think, for me, it's football and it's going to play itself out in terms of chances. 
So, like, I feel like, especially you, like, you look at all the big chances, we know about all the big chances he's missed and all this XG that he's kind of building. And it's just, it's just football at the end of the day, like, eventually it's going to play itself out. And I think he will end up getting, like, a, a, a good return um, for me. And, like, I think you think with Nunes, so all these kind of strikers that, like, um, Mike's mentioned, like, you said, like, your Benzema, Lewandowski's, and McCain's, like, this is Nunes' is what, like, basically third, fourth professional season where he's got more than 10 appearances. Like, so he's still trying to figure out himself as a striker, trying to figure out, like, what type of finishes that are exactly his. Like, what is his trademark finishes? What does he like? How does he like striking the ball? All this stuff. So, um, I, for me, he's definitely a goal scorer. I mean, you don't really get 26 goals and 28 appearances about being a goal scorer, but <clears throat> essentially, he's still trying to find himself um, in terms of the type of, type of player he is. But what we do have of him... <clears throat> it's someone that kind of stretches the play. It's someone that gives us a defend, um, defenders a night nightmares, and someone that kind of will make these repeated runs and will get into positions. So it's just about really um, him kind of taking his chances, and uh, hopefully, like Chris said, the good outweighs the bad, and he's able to kind of get like a decent return, and he's able to kind of contribute to the team with with some more goals. But um, yeah, I, like I've, I've always kind of been a firm believer in that um, eventually he'll come good. Obviously. Probably it might not be as quick as some people wanted it to be, essentially. Um, and that's football, you know, with a big price tag. But I, I do think he gets way too many chances. Um, he's too much of a nightmare to deal with. Um, he's way too threatening for him to not score goals for us. So, yeah. And then the celebration, man. The celebration. The cel- just, just, <laughs> just too passionate. It moved, it moved me so much, brother. <laughs> passionate, oh, like, my gosh. I love the guy. All the way around the pitch. Like, guys are trying to keep up with him. He's smacking his head like <laughs> someone needs to care in this team, man. That's what I like. <laughs> like just that passion, that actual passion, like, bro, it's, it's great to see. So yeah, man. It's great to see. And Fahi, do you know what? I, I did want to discuss this with you because you're bro, you're quite was... level headed. So I was sorry? just gonna say he's he's, he's oh, in double sorry, figures bro. now. He's in double figures now for for the season. So like yeah, I mean he's making steps there, he's slowly improving. Obviously, he might not be to level, but double figures. You can't really complain. I think most people would have thought by this time of the season that if he was in double figures, he'd be doing well. Yeah, problem is Haaland's just skewed all of the expectations, yeah. right, of what, what's a good season. But I, I did want to discuss that with you, Fahi, because you're a man who, when you when we acquire a player, you, you do look at the bigger picture of how he's going to fit in over time, right? And one thing Dan Coogs kind of talked about on, on the main pod, I think, last week is he, he mentioned something interesting, which was that season that Pete's talking about where Darwin, Darwin was prolific. It was the first season that he had outperformed his XG and he'd underperformed in every other season. So, I don't think that's not true, you know. Do you I reckon? Look, mate, when he said that, sorry. When he said that, so, Dan, no, I, don't I, I thought that's a very sceptical thing to say because, so his first professional season, one appearance. Second professional season, 10 appearances, one goal and 10 appearances. His third professional season, and this is all like European, Uruguayan, like, Premier Division. So this is mainly all coming from left wing as well, by the way. Yeah, and he's got and then his third professional season, he gets three goals in three games, but they're not really I, I wouldn't really count them as such. Then he goes to Almeria Almera, gets 16 goals in 30 games um for um them in the second Spanish division, and then six goals for in 29 games um for Benfica in his first season, and then the second season is when he does the 26 and 28 goals. So really he's only played three professional seasons. That had more than ten appearances, so you not so coming on the pod now saying he's he's underperformed he's actually when he's only really played like three three professional seasons. I don't know. I just thought that's a bit. Yeah, and I guess that position thing Chris is talking about. So what? Yeah. Chris, has, he, has he been and, kind of moved around the pitch in the years that have gone by? 
I know the first yeah. season for Benfica, he was playing a lot on, on the wing, but yeah, sorry, Chris. So for Almeria in that uh, in that one season, he was mainly playing on from the left wing. In that first Benfica season, he was playing on the left wing as well. And it wasn't until kind of like 10 games into um, that second Benfica season, they moved him up front. Yeah, I, and do you know what? that That's really good insight because I guess the answer to that question is that whole, is he an outperformer or underperformer of XG? We're actually just going to see it unfold at Liverpool rather than like historic evidence of it so that'll be interesting in itself sorry just to butt in like i think liverpool have come in at a point where it's like so we're buying players and it might be a risk because i think the same with luis diaz as well and nunez they don't really have this large sample size we've kind of jumped in right before they're about to hit like a crazy peak or about to find out really and truly whether this player can can become world class like boom or bust kind of yeah so we're investing into skill sets i think though so with nunez we've identified a skill set in a player where look physically imposing or can develop into physically imposing player quick can finish off both feet intense and fast so we're investing into the skill set and hopefully develops into the kind of mature track we hope and think he can be yeah, so we're, we're jumping into these players before they maybe become like 150 million players or whatever, transfer record-breaking players. We're, we're getting in there just before their peak, so they're 23-24. There isn't a large sample size to say whether Nunez is this crazy finisher or he's a rubbish finisher. Like We're going to find out, like, for sure. Hmm. So, I mean, second half starts. Fahi, how do you think we started? And obviously, Mo Salah got a goal, something that he's actually quietly been getting on with. Um, so, yeah, what were you thinking? Yeah, no, I'm, I think I think we came out second half. We we started playing much better, and we moved the ball much better. We were moving about with more impetus. We we kind of we kind of knew what we wanted to do, which is like in the first half you didn't really have that. Second half you did have that. I thought we started off really well. Um, you could see that Wolves had a few moments where on the right hand side they were kind of being out tussled by Gakpo and Robbo. And, and there was space there available. And Gakpo knew where he wanted the ball to get kind of deliver a cross in. And he tried it the first time. They blocked him off. But then the second time he got it. Um, so, yeah, that, that goal was nicely done. And Salah was obviously um, smooth with his finishing. And, yeah, I, th- I think in general, this, is, this has been a pattern of play in our season again, where you come out in the second half and we qu- perform quite well. So, again, it's nothing that I'm surprised about. We, we always see it. Um, but it's like you know that we're going to perform well for 25 30 minutes, and then the final 15 20 minutes is where we're going to let ourselves down. So, so you knew even when we went 2 1 up, you knew what was going to happen, but you didn't have faith that we were going to hold on to oh, that lead. No, there's just there's <laughs> nothing to have faith about. The thing is, one thing I'll say is with January football in Liverpool, I'm always quite like downbeat and like disheartened about it because. Our football in January is just so poor. Historically, it's just never that great. And even last season, I was moaning away in January pause until like the last week of Jan. And then things got slowly better. But again, I just hate January football so much. It's just so depressing, man. So depressing. But yeah, when we went 2-1 up, uh, you guys need to stop laughing, man. Like, I I had to pause it. I don't think anyone's got a better pause sensor than you, bro. Any, any it's like <laughs> yeah, you know, like you know, at uni when you put your assignments through Turnitin, it's like your own sentences go through that filter, and you instantly know what <laughs> you know is on the other side. <laughs> no, you know, you said those. 
you know, you used to have those poor center in a way. He's poor worthy. We've got to say that for a start. So, oh, yeah, like, that's true. Yeah. You used to have those keychains when you're like a kid and they had like a sound effect on it. And kind of needs to like get one custom made for fire. He always got Dame Dash going, pause, 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 pause. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, like, I'm like year eight music when you could press the keyboard and it's just like a sound again <laughs> and again. I'm sorry, guys. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't want to break away from the point. But yeah, the point I'm trying to make is even when we went two and up, it's like, you just know that we're not going to see the game out, man. We don't have it in us. We don't have Wait, it in us to see the game the out. problem we have, sorry to cut you there, Fight. No, nah, it's fine. Sustain, Go for it. We can't sustain moments of quality or pressure for more than five minutes in games. Genuinely. When was the last time you saw Liverpool chasing a goal or like being 2-1 up and trying to kill a game? Where they have 15, 20 minutes of just proper good football. Brother, you can't have uncles in. in midfield. You can't you have uncles in they, You know what the frustrating thing is? They did it against Villa, but then they all look knackered after. So, but isn't so, Pen Villa in though? If you remember the second half, we played in the counter against Villa. It wasn't like we had them penned in, and then we get the goal. Bastić kind of kills the game, yeah, but I mean, it was a good performance. Don't get me wrong, but we, weren't, we haven't seen Liverpool this season have spells in games where teams are like, struggling to live with them, where they just penned in like they used to be against us, and they are against City still. Where no, that's true. you have these spells where you just think they're going to score about three or four in a spell. We don't do that anymore. Mike, do you know what you need for that to happen? Even midfielders that are going to win it back quickly. So Listen, let's uh, talk about midfielders. Yeah, can let's we find? Let's talk. talk. First of all, before we do, now because how the hell this man still has stands on Twitter is a disgrace. That man came <laughs> on for 15 minutes, and on the 90th minute, his hands were on his knees, out of breath, oh, yeah, that, that like he just done the full 90. Oh, no, nah, Nabi's Nabi's the wrong nah, person man, to be talking about. Chris has been hurt too much, man. <laughs> get that guy out of here, man. Did a quick but, fifteen no. minute jog and did a few pressures and you know Peter was fooled. He was like, "You got me." Um, um, we're gonna we're gonna talk about Naby though because he's kind of complicating the this crap midfield. He shouldn't even be allowed to be in consideration. But I'm gonna hold the Naby conversation because he's kind of talking his way into some kind of contention, which makes me sick even saying right. But um, is he mush? Is he talking? We're gonna, is he, gonna get into that. I just want to cover off this crap Wolves goal that we can see again, right? Huang scores a goal. Ibo Kanate <laughs> sleeping. Allison slips under him. Also, within five minutes of that, Wolves score again. Goal disallowed, even though Trent's still on the line. Don't know Listen, what happened. Tati, what by the happened? way, he's, Tati, by the way, he's still celebrating. He's on my lawn. That's how I, that was food by me. Oh, I, he needs to hold that. The way he was celebrating that. <laughs> the, way the, the way the ref felt guilty, by the way, by not giving him the yellow card when he took his shirt off. He was like, ah, oh, you, you've suffered long enough, you know. I'm not There's nothing better than when a player over-celebrates a goal and it gets disallowed. I, it's one of the I, most beautiful I, things in football. Sterling, Sterling, City versus Spurs, Champions League. Oh, heritage. I want that, that played at my heritage. funeral. I want that played at my funeral. That, that is heritage, man. <laughs> but no, someone, someone discussed that goal. I don't even want to talk about it. I was that sickened. Pete, Pete, you've got a mic in front of you. Use it. I just want to go to the midfield, bro. I, I, I'll be real. <laughs> I just want to go to that. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I don't even. I don't even really remember the second goal. It just. I think all I remember it was. Well, I can remember that goal. Yeah, it was. It was a disgrace. They just cut through us far too easily. It's nasty business. Was it? Wasn't it? Who on the left wing got so? Like, on the left wing had bare time, like so much time. Yeah, it was that Bueno guy, isn't it? Yeah, he had so much time, Can and then he crossed it in. 
Bro, yeah, this is what's going on, man. We're getting killed by man name after Kinder Bars. What's going on? Oh, <laughs> what, is, what is happening with this team? That, that, by the way, that was like Wolves' second team with like just Nunes involved. Nunes in, uh, Nunes and by the and... way, that was a bread and butter one too. By the way, there was nothing they did that was special. Like literally, Juan gave it, ran in a straight line past like two midfielders next to Canate. Literally, nothing like to do with five aside. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh my! It was unbelievable. And then. Boys, what's happening with our set piece defending? Because at least that was a good good stat before. That seems to have disappeared as well. What's going on there? Confidence, I think. It's probably confidence. Because even like even Canate to me as well, like he looked imperious at the World Cup, and he'd come back now and he just like, shot. <laughs> yeah. He just shot he just within 180 minutes, boy. <laughs> he's just in a pile of shit and he looks like he looks like, you know what I'm saying? He's he's getting doing their mistakes. Um obviously the on goals against Brentford. Um, again, that, that goal again, you probably think would probably do better with that, but it comes back off him and it goes in. So, um, yeah, it just it's, it's not good, not good from us at all, at all. Right, I'm gonna. Do you know what? You guys are itching to talk about this, so I'm gonna just scrap all of the structure we had, boys. Our midfield shit. Let's talk. <laughs> about Let it. me get my belt out, man. Time Let's... to fucking get <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Listen, our midfield Let's shit. Listen. We can't run. All of us, I remember every single person who's in this call right now and every other person in the Coppin group chat literally individually wrote we are shit at a different moment in the past week, right? <laughs> so, everyone, I'm giving you a safe space to just describe what you are sick of. And I don't even want to talk about solutions. I just want to talk about negatives. So go for it. That's what I'm sick of. I'm sick of the lack of solutions. So... There's a famous phrase that we all say, we will end up in Magdonas. At this point, yeah, we're going to end up in Wakey Wines. That's what's happening at this point, yeah? Because we're going <laughs> to end, end up in Wakey Wines. But uh, we're going to end up in Wakey Wines because at this point, we're looking for bottles of Prime that cost £2.25. We're going to have to pay £50 for it because that's the, that's the situation we put ourselves in. That Brighton CEO, yeah, that guy who's trying to sell Saicedo for seventy million pounds. We could have got that guy in the summer for like forty, and now we're going to have to go back, and he's going to be like, "Abdul, come closer, Abdul, go back. What's the best Premier League team to buy for in Wakey? Brighton." And it's going to be cops sitting there in the video with fucking that dickhead that's leaving in the summer for transfers. We are in the absolute mud, and it makes we're me sick. done, man. Oh. I've got Fahi yeah, on a daily basis in another group that we're in, say sign Sander Birch. Do you know the the, the pain oh, that gives me in my chest on a daily Stoke? basis? Is Sander Burger still at Stoke? Nah, he's a chef. Sheffield United. Is Sheffield United. Oh, Sheffield United. Yeah, is he still there? Yeah, he's still yeah. there. He's waiting for us. Okay, oh, no. bro, we've got a free pass to sign him. <laughs> eight eight to ten mil. Saying. We can get him. the burger, you know. Bro, bro, it's, you laugh, but it's a good signing. <laughs> we need it bad. But do you know what's funny? Yeah, and like the look on my it, face right now is killing me. By the way, basically, I'm more disgust. Every week we kind of come out with briefings that like uh like we're not that desperate. Like, we're looking at midfielders, but we're not that desperate. Maybe we can sign Alts. Maybe we can sign Kate to Neil. Like they're trying to make out that we're not that desperate, but like it's like all you have to do is watch Liverpool play, and you can see how desperate we are for a midfielder. So like all these briefings that they do to say to these other teams that are oh, we're looking, but we're not that desperate. Uh, lower your price down, bro. We are in dire dire need of a mid. Like and it, it's even painful for me because like most you know that like. Especially a position that you play, like all the like simple things they cannot do. Like if any midfield, like 
Like Nunes came, no, even Neves. Neves hasn't even got the malice mobility. Neves will skip past like three guys with a drop of a shoulder, bro. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Neves. He's got like 10 pace on FIFA, whatever he's got. Do you, like, know, how... do you know what Klopp, do you know what Klopp looks like to me now? You know that now when he talks about our midfield and how we've still got great options, you know the fucking Denver Nuggets jeans guy. That's how I see him. Like fucking posing for nothing. <laughs> You know, you know what, you know what made me smile about that Nunes performance and the Nunes ones, Matthias Nunes, it's the fact that we didn't want to sign him this summer and he clarted us when he came on. And it's like, you know what? Bro, he Rest didn't even try. Peace. He didn't. Those Rest people took that, he took that shit it's, personally. It's pathetic. It's pathetic. It's like, why the hell did you not just sign him in the summer? Why have you delayed this transfer for twelve months? What have you got out of him being at Wolves? You've got nothing out no of him. It just makes no sense. It's and the what's stupidest deal ever. What's killing me now again, is now they're gonna they're have the to spend seventy. Now, they're doing the whole thing. Sorry, mate. They're doing the whole thing now where they're saying, "Oh yeah, we're now taking a look at Kefren Turam and Kwadi Okone." Bro, you could have had them two in the summer as well. No, they're not. Though. No, like, they're not. They're really not. They're not. You know how they're not. They just say circulating names. Spell mate. So just they probably are. No, I, just... I mean, we 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 look we look we love a good monitoring. If there's anything we, yeah, we, we they look, love like, it. They love it. Monitor FC sick boy. Yes, man. They're like sickos in the window. God, yes, yes. We like doing that, but we don't like don't actually make a move. Ah, oh. bro. What kills me is now we're gonna have to spend way more money than we already had to. So like you're you're yeah. thinking, someone like um, Matthias Nunes, he could have gone for like fifty million in the summer. These that's that's uh, that's already a lot of money for a midfielder. Of course it is, but you're you're willing yeah. to pay that because you think we could have gotten cheaper, bro. Even probably maybe even cheaper than fifty million. But now there's a prem stamp as well, right? Yeah, and you're just thinking like, what's I the guess, point? Like, I guess if what they're saying is we've got like that agreement to buy in for like forty-four million or something, that I guess that's not too bad. Yeah, maybe, man. I just, I just ultimately, I think what we, we sacrificed this agree. season by not by our inaction yeah. has sacrificed this season. So this season, yeah. there's a real ceiling on it where it's probably like top four, maybe a decent run in Champions League. That's about it. Where it could have been a title challenge because look at the city this season. City this season, they're not a vintage city. But not vintage mm. city. Everyone who's watched the city this season knows that this is a city team that are good, but not like 17, 18, 18, 19. I'm actually scared Arsenal are gonna win the title, bro. That's how no, I think they they got every chance. They got every chance. So we sacrificed this season and potentially another league title. We're gonna have to spend more money on players that would have cost a lot less last summer. And there's every guarantee that there's no guarantee that if we finish on the side of the top four, we're gonna get the targets we want to get. We hope we do because we're still a big club, we're still a big name, but we put it ourselves in a position where it's no longer guaranteed. So, if in every single way, we just completely shot ourselves in the foot. It's just so stupid. For sure, for sure. So, should we, like, should we go player by player, boys, to talk yeah, about what's going on? Let's go, because, like... Okay, I want to start on one player who somehow came out with some positive credit when I asked that question on the Cop End Fracas chat, yes, um, tweet yesterday about our best outfield player. Some people have had the nerve to say Tiago, right? Yeah, but Mush, you can keep trying to run this agenda on Tiago, but he's been better than the majority of our midfielders on the fucking pitch. It's a but fact. It's not agenda. It's not agenda because I think defensively he's been good. I'm saying he's forgotten how to pass. That's yeah, but that's I'm because saying. he's having to do the work for everyone else. What do you expect? If you're, like, if you're having fine. to tackle for two other players, you're not going to be he able to do what you usually him. do. <laughs> Peter, where are you sitting on this? Because I'm seeing a bit of Timberland movement there. <laughs> I think with Thiago, 
don't. I just you know you, you expect more from what he's given on the ball, and like especially that the Allison goal, like bro, like you do the step up, like we see you do that move about a hundred times. You know the you know the jink, the jink, and the push to the other side. Everyone's reading that now, bro. Everyone's reading that. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, you just don't go here, innit? They just don't move the same way anymore. The hips don't move the same way anymore. Yeah, he did, he did that whole like quick, yeah. like quick shoulder move where he's like, and that, like, I know you're going that way, my guy. What are you doing? Like, nah, man. Eddie Guerrero in the middle of the pitch. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for me, I would say Tiago. He hasn't been one of our worst. He hasn't been one of our worst players. But I wouldn't put him like a top three or a top five. Like he's just been middle ground for me. Um, but it just the thing is, you expect more of his quality on the ball, but. It's just, it's just really telling that he looks like the most athletic midfielder we have right now. Like, bro, I, was, I was saying this the other day. He's leading our press from midfield. He's our most dynamic yeah. midfielder, Thiago Alcantara. Yeah. That's a scary Can, I, can I just say one thing to add to this? And again, this isn't even prop. This just kind of shows how far bad the other two have got. If we didn't have Fabinho for the season, we wouldn't have been any worse off than we currently are. Okay, if we didn't have Hendo for the season, we wouldn't be any far worse off than where we currently oh, are. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, if we didn't have Thiago for the season, we would be fifteenth. Yeah. I promise you, and I that's think, the difference between yeah. the three. Do you yeah, actually think Thiago? Hundred percent. only one doing up. anything. I get that. No one else does anything. No, no. I'm, I'm actually being. No, I'm being sympathetic towards him. That yeah. Even if he's been good, one man in the midfield isn't going to stop all of these ridiculous. XG conceded stats. That's all I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, I get what you're saying. But what I'm trying to say is, if in a game he's averaging six tackles per game, right, and the other two bozos are ta- uh, averaging one tackle per game, if you take those six tackles away, you then have a fucking midfield that's just split yeah. open like the fucking River Nile. Is XG fifty then after? It, that, it'd be right? exactly. We would be fifteen for sixteenth, and that's the difference between the three. So when when people talk about oh our midfield three is shit or blah, 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 it's like the other two have actually been terrible. And if they weren't here for the entirety of this season, we wouldn't have missed them. That's the yeah. difference. Whereas Tiago, you would actually miss something because he's actually doing something. So can I ask a question? And again, I'm not being malicious here. It's just about, let's say we reinforced, signed two to three midfielders, yeah? Be honest. If, for example, Thiago got an offer from, I don't know, Inter, yeah? To go to, go to Inter in the summer, would you be upset or accept and happy to see him go? Krish? Upset. I'd be, I'd, be, I'd, I'd be very, I'd be very upset. He's got one year left on his deal, so so is it, is it because we just haven't surrounded him with anything to actually get the best out of him? Is that? But you him with. You've got Fabinho, you've got Fabinho at the moment. I'm pretty sure if you told him there's Bolsonaro election results in the next room, he'd be quicker than he's on the pitch. Um, <laughs> and you got, and you've got Henderson who. <laughs> I saw a far he reposted the other day. That like volley thing he did in the first half was an utter disgrace. <laughs> that like... half space cro- that cross he does in the right half oh, space kills me. Just, just please the, first, stop. the one first time, just, the first time one. Oh my gosh, kills me. Uh, it yeah. made me physically ill. So should we move on to Henderson then? Let's move on to Hendo because I don't know what to say. Talk sport telling us. That we'd be, we're not doing enough to get the best out of him, and we're worse off because of that. 
I, well, I would love to speak to Talksport and just ask them how do they want us to set up to get the best out of Jordan Henderson. I need to know. I need to know where, what they want us to do to get the best out of Jordan Henderson. This version of him. What what should we be doing? Should we have two man completely back and have Hendo just roaming around the field like free roll? Yeah, free roll Hendo on on Henderson. One thing I would say is I don't think the manager's helping him in that. The manager still uses a shape where it's like Fabinho and Thiago kind of holding and Henderson doing this box-to-box thing he does. Henderson can't do that anymore. You can't... So you're setting up a structure. Henderson can't do that anymore, brother. But you know what it is, Mike? And I'm not trying to interrupt your point. I think it's because of the second half of last season where we kind of set up in a way where it was um, Fab and Thiago kind of a bit further back and then you let Hendo have that license. No, I get it. it. And because it worked then... They're just continuing on with it, and it's like it's not going to work anymore. Yeah, but you, you can't keep. You can't. I think keep... Klopp. I think Klopp doesn't accept aging. I think Klopp just refuses to. <laughs> you know, you know, like people don't believe the Earth is round, like flat Earth is. I don't yeah. think Klopp's just like anti-aging. Like he just doesn't. We're literally seeing Henderson happens. struggle to cover ground in games. We're literally seeing him, a guy who's who was athletic, who was dynamic, who had loads of stamina. Pause. We are seeing him struggle to get up and down the pitch. He doesn't. So, and, yeah. There's two instances. I think even for the to the Dewsbury Hall goal against us, like Leicester, um, Henderson was the closest person to him. And that's when like his athleticism <laughs> is a real problem then because obviously the ball breaks down, the athletes and then um Dewsbury Hall gets it and drives, but Henderson can't even reach him. He's trying to grab him to foul him, he can't even Previous reach him. Previous years he outruns them, by the way. He yeah, this is, this is this is the like, thing, right? And when this is where him, and this is where it's causing us all the issues because Henderson's that af- lack of athleticism. He's not getting back to cover the space. So there's loads of exposed space for players to either run through or play the ball through. And then you got Fabinho, who for some reason just cannot tackle anyone at all. Does... Yeah, and I, I, I fall for Klopp as well because you're saying he doesn't understand aging, but do you know how mad it is to watch a team like... I get where you're coming from in a certain sense that you've watched a team literally, what, let's say six to seven months ago, go for a quadruple. Like, literally, go for a quadruple. I know we've done it like barely on our knees, but like, this is the same team, the same, literally the same formation, the same midfield that he played in the final, whatever, Champions League, whatever, we went for a quadruple, didn't make it, won two cups, and you're telling me, by the Fulham game, Fabinho's lost his legs, Henderson's lost his legs, and then we're, we're early finished, like, literally, like, we saw it against Fulham, and we just thought, mm, we flex, you know, but like, every single game, we've each consistently seen, like, the midfield day can't do it, we can't win second balls, Um, we can't sustain pressure, we can't, in transition, we're absolutely powerless. Like, I can't express to you guys, like, as soon as the team counters on us, there is nothing we can do to stop it. We can't make a foul. We can't tackle someone. We can't press anyone. Like, we're powerless in transitions, like, completely. So, it's just, it's just one of the ones where it's like, we're hoping that we have more quality than the other team, that we score more goals than them. But, like, if they have any explosive players or if they can counter on us, it's an open game. It's open field. And that's, well, why you, that's what you saw with the Villa game. Um, that's what you saw against um, Wolves as well. Well, why don't we talk about the man who's meant to be stopping these transitions? As Chris has tried to bring up on various occasions, because I can see he's itching to talk about him. Fabinho, or the, the concept of Fabinho, should I say? Listen, the, the idea of Fabinho is way better than the actual player of Fabinho at the moment. <laughs> can we just talk about how he's like, basically went crap overnight? Like, His regression... It just, Jan 22, it no something happened. New Year, that was it. Fai was no Fai's got he's he's been yeah you Fai was on it for a while to be fair yeah but he was I was I don't think you, and it, this isn't a, I told you so moment because hmm. 
I literally told you guys from the beginning of last season, he is not the same. He's missing duels. He's 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 misplacing passes. He's not in the right positions. And the most clearest performance and the most evident performance of this was against West Ham away in November. And I said it. I was like, that first half, he was diabolical. There's something not right with him. And I remember the amount of abuse I got online when I pointed this out. And I said, he's not the same guy anymore. And people were like, no, how can you say this? He's absolutely fine. He had one good month at the end of Jan till the middle of Feb, where he scored a goal every single game for some weird reason. And then he kind of dropped off again. He has not been good for over 18 months now. It's been 18 months. And it's really disingenuous for people to act like it's only been the past six months. It hasn't. It's been going on for ages. And it's just progressively getting worse because now the other two can't shield him as much. So he's looking even worse now. Whereas before, at least Hendo was putting a bit of a shift in to help him. He's not able to do that anymore. So Fab is just falling flat on his face and he's done. It's not his fault. He's, we've worked him to the fucking bone for four years. Klopp has worked him like a dog. He's had no support. And now this is what you get. He's 29, 30 years old. He's going to be passing that. He's not going to get back to that level ever again. I promise you. It's, it's not even an outlandish shout. You think, you think a ch- even a change of club, you just... It's you just done. It is done. He has to go somewhere like Italy or Spain and, and play a different style of football. In terms of our midfield setup, the Fabinho that we once had, you're never getting him again. We have worked him down to the complete bottom pits of a football player. He's done. We worked him done. We've done. We did the same to Mane. And the problem with this is the way Klopp, like... You get the best out of these players because you work them so hard. But then, you know, when they get past that peak, the yeah, drop-off is dive. so bad. It's horrible. And that's why you need to continuously refresh the team. And it's not about not um, appreciating all the good work that they've done. We can appreciate how good Wijnaldum was. We can appreciate how good Fabinho was. But the style of football that Klopp plays and the one that we enjoy watching, if you want that to continue and be sustained, you need to replace these players every three to four years. You can't keep expecting Fabinho to do the same thing every single year because this is what you're going to get. Here's a question linked to your drop-off point because someone I'm a bit worried about is, is Virgil. And I saw a stat the other day where it was like, since the start of the 21-22 season, Virgil van Dijk has played more minutes and more games than any other player in Europe, in, in sort of Europe's top five leagues. That's off the back of an ACL injury, which kept him out for, what, nine months? Eight, nine, eight months? Yeah. Are you worried about him? Because I'm worried about him, personally. I think the, the big worry sign for me was in the Brentford game where Embuemo just absolutely kills him for pace. And, like, there's literally no possibility of Van Dijk catching him. And I think a few times you've seen Van Dijk, you've seen op- opponents smell blood around Van Dijk in a way they didn't um, 18 months ago or even before, yeah. maybe at his peak. So you worried about him or do you think he's actually someone that could when he gets back fit, hopefully? No, I, I, th- I think you, you make a good point in referencing the fact that obviously he came back from an injury and he's played the most minutes, etc, etc. And you're right, with an ACL injury, the, the likely occurrence of a re-injury is really high. So the yeah. fact that we risked and gambled on him just playing every single game was a bit wild. And even last season, there were a few like games in the Carling Cup and the FA Cup where he didn't need to start and he still started. And yeah. I, I remember all of us questioning him, like, does Virgil really need to play this game? Could he not take a rest? And I think stuff like that kind of adds to the burden of what he's currently having. And like he just seems... 
a foot off his pace. Like the standard Virgil van Dijk that you see, he seems a foot off. And ultimately, if you're playing every single game for Holland, the friendly games, Van Howe or whoever the hell the manager is, kept on selecting him. If you're then playing every game for Liverpool, you're going to get this drop off. And it's like, I saw that obviously people celebrate, not celebrating, but they were saying that, you know, the positives of his current injury is the fact that he's going to get a bit of rest. But that's not that's not how rest works. If you're injured, you're not resting. You're having to recuperate. You're trying to yeah, rehabilitate. You're rehabilitating, yeah. You're, you're really not resting. The only thing you're resting is your mind in the sense of football. But well, he, probably, he probably needs that, to be fair. I, that may help, but that still doesn't solve the leg issues. No, for sure. Are you do worried you about him physically, though? Because I, I, I don't know. I don't know how he's going to do in the next 12 to 18 months. Is it going to be think, a fab think, drop off? What we, what we thinking? I think there's ways around it, and I think our high line doesn't help, and it doesn't help that our defense, can't, our midfield can keep the ball. Like they can't keep the ball. Sorry. So I think there's two things here. Our midfield can't help him right now. So it's kind of basically once you get past our forward line, you know you're one pass away from getting past Van Dyke. Whereas before, yeah. you'd have a midfield that can block you out. You know, as an opposition team, one pass, after you get past the strike, the forward line, you can get past Van Dyke. One pass is all it takes. One pass <laughs> is literally all it takes. Right? The other thing is the high line, man. Van Dyke, he cannot, he cannot sustain that. He can't maintain that high line anymore. We need to drop further back. He can't do it. I think that was the scary thing as well about the Emboima going through because... Um, Obviously, it was a pass kind of played in behind where Van Dijk would have to turn his body, right? Yeah. And it was just the time it took to turn and then the time it took to get up to whatever his top speed was. I think that was the super worrying thing because yeah. we know that Van Dijk plays in kind of a, I don't want to call it relaxed, but he he conserves energy and then he explodes when he needs to with energy. And I was just like, brother, if that's what the explosion produces, that's super, <laughs> super worrying. Man. Yeah. He was maybe injured before that. There's obviously a point to be made that he did go off of injury at half time. Let's keep him no, out. We've literally seen him in not to that extent. I think the Abraham one is an extreme circumstance. We've seen Van Dyke isolated 1v1 and where he would otherwise, or at his best, would just easily deal with the situation. He's really, really slow on the turn now and he takes ages now to get to top speed. And his top speed isn't what it was before. Mm. And these are all issues because our high line is something that Klopp and Linders aren't going to deviate from anytime soon. They, they call it our identity. And I get it, it's an important part of our identity. It helps us when we are playing our best squeeze teams yeah. in. But if Van Dijk's going to be exposed to that 1v1, it's going to be, it's going to go from where teams are avoiding Van Dijk to when teams are going, okay, Konate's very quick and good 1v1 and good on the turn. We're going to play on Van Dijk's side Dijk. instead. That's going yeah. to be the new thing. So we need to think of ways we can mitigate that kind of, if he you is that new that player. With the DM, bro. You mitigate that hopefully, with a DM. Hopefully. hopefully. So, hopefully. I was going to say, like, in that best period, like 17, 18, 18 19, that's when we was like an actual team of a great structure. And like it's no like um it's no coincidence now that he doesn't look at his best when this team hasn't got a great setup anymore. Like I mean and I give an example. So I'll give you like like Ver Varan, for example. He came into this main United team and obviously um what's his name? Solskjaer and um Ralph Ragnick were in charge and he looked absolutely washed. Um they had like Fred in front of him who couldn't really protect him and he was getting one view with one jewels all the time and he just looked washed, whatever. He, he didn't look too great. And now you look at him in Eric Ten Hag's system, and all of a sudden he look he has Casemiro in front of him, and he looks good again. Um you have Martinez, he looks good again. So um we literally don't have a great we have such a bad system. Our front line, they press and one pre one Elliot goes by himself, Nunes is all the way on the left side, sellers like mm, Elliot, I don't think you should be pressing like that. So like that. The whole team, like, they don't really press together. You think when we had Mane, Firmino and Salah, they all pressed in unison. They literally all pressed as, as a team. 
He had um, obviously our midfielders covering his face. So we like our def- our, def- our defensive structure is really really bad at the moment. And Fai literally said we're literally conceding how many chances a game. Um, so you're being in these situations like when Van Dijk was in his prime, he'll maybe be a one 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 v one with a player maybe every four or five games. Now he's one v one with a player every two or three times per five times a game. <laughs> Yeah, per game. So naturally, even if you're in your prime, or even if like maybe you might be out of it, you're gonna have some mistakes because you're in that situation more. You know, it's a law of averages. So you're in these chances, you're in these kind of one v one situations more. So naturally, you're gonna make more mistakes. Um, and like we we didn't concede that many chances in those seasons where we were that good. Now we're conceding so many chances per game. So I just think, yeah, it's law of averages. And once you have a better defensive structure, I think Van Dijk at 70 80 percent for us, I think it's still enough. It's still better than most defenders in the league. So I think it's just defensive structure really that needs help. And I don't so, think he's at his peak anymore, but I think 78% will probably be enough. But I mean, it's so funny how we, we started this discussion about Fabinho and we have so little hope in Fabinho sorting that problem out that we just moved <laughs> on to Van Dyke. You know what? Other on Fabinho, just maybe to throw a positive in there, we have seen holding midfielders of his kind of style and profile have a clear physical regression and then kind of remold their games and yeah. change the games as a result. Now, whether that fits us is another question. I'm not sure that does fit us. I think we need our, our, our holding midfielder to have some level of dynamism and, and they're kind of able to cover ground. And look, Fabinho was never the most athletic, but he could cover ground and like in certainly like shorts because he has such long legs as well. He could like kind of like win yeah. a tackle, that sort of thing. But whether he can remodel his game and be effective for us is the question I have. I actually think he can remodel his game and be effective for like, uh, I don't know, Milan or one of the Italian giants of Juventus, who knows? But for us, that's a big question. But I think he can still be like a serviceable player for a top team. Yeah. The remit yeah. is too big for us. I think that, that yeah. that's the issue, right? We need someone with like Rice PMP in that, but, in that but this, role. This remit, though, like, I'm sorry, but we have to put claim on Klopp because he's playing his players constantly in his missions. He, there's where, so like, much blame on Klopp, bro. Like, I'm why, telling like, you, there's a lot. <laughs> I might, people obviously, I know formation, a formation change won't instantly solve our problems, but. We saw these same problems before the Christmas break, and then Klopp changed it um, because he knew these players weren't obviously can't perform these positions. And now he's almost like, all right, cool. Um, we went to like a four four two or four four two diamond before the break because we knew that these players couldn't cover the spaces anymore. They couldn't win the challenges. So we need our midfield to be more stationary than to be more vertical, running around the pitch as such. You know what I'm saying? So we played a two that they didn't really move, and everyone else kind of moves around them. So then now we go into World Cup. He's like. I know what Klopp's thinking because we had him for manager for years. So he's just thinking, okay, let's just fix and patch it till we get to the World Cup. And then in our in our break where we went to whatever Dubai, wherever they went to, I was draw the four three into their heads a bit more, stay a bit more compact, and four three everything will be perfect again. And now we've come back, and the same problems are still arising, bro. They're still there. <laughs> They're still there. Bro, you can't hide from them. You can't run from them. Way still too there. much to do. Give them way too much street. I think even if you put Casado into this team and you put him in Henderson's role, he's constantly having to go back and forth. You're gonna kill him. Yeah, but he can though. That's the whole. He point can. He can. But my point is, about... I feel, I feel yeah, there is a structural right. issue in the way players are positioned in our midfield. Right. I do feel like, at the moment, we need to be a bit more conservative in our position. And even if we do sign the midfield, I wouldn't want him to come in and start doing box to box and running all over the place like a like a maniac. Mm. Be a bit more conservative in our positioning because I just think. Ultimately, what one thing we could do to help our midfielders is to give them less to do and less ground to cover. 
That would it's help them a lot, I think. It's, it's, we're basically looking for the next Kante. <laughs> we're, basically, we're basically looking for the next Kante. Bro, we want a midfield of Kante, Rice and Pete Gerrard or something. Like, what's going yeah. like, What like, the hell? The example I would give is kind of like a Real Madrid because we looked at Real Madrid maybe a couple of years ago when they got knocked out by Ajax. They got knocked out by a couple of teams in the Champions League and were like, oh, these might have finished. Casemiro, Modric, Cruz kind of finished. And what they've done is that they kind of evolved their play. So they kind of got like maybe... Athleticism on, around the side, so like maybe your Minotaurs, your Alibas, your Rudigers, Fela Mendy, Vinicius Junior. Big, this is a bit racism, but yeah, they got no, you know, Valverde as well, though. Yeah, Valverde, Valverde, they got athleticism all around the sides, or whatever, and they kind of evolved their game. And really, what they play now is kind of like a four-four-two in essence. It looks like a four-three, but it's not. It's really a four-four-two with Vinicius and Benzema as a, as a two, and the midfield kind of line up as like a a four-four-two with Valverde as like a right mid, Cruz like. That left centre mid with um, Modric and two and many, so they kind of evolved their style, and maybe that's a point that we can kind of, you know, what I'm saying. Uh, but Pete, Pete, isn't that on the manager though? You've just said that. So we last season when we lost to Madrid and we saw them go in that crazy Champions League run, Madrid's heat map was basically Modric stood beside the centre backs. They were yeah. very, very deep. Their manager adapted to, like Mike's saying, the age profile the performance level, the athletic level of the players. And Ancelotti, who's probably the king of it, knew what was around him and fit a game plan that fits in with him. Whereas Klopp's yeah. doing the opposite of, I have these principles and I have this framework. You've got to, fl- you've got to fit in it, even if you've got arthritis. Like, good luck. That, that, that's how it is, right? So, Chris, do, do you expect a bit more due diligence from Klopp as in to, to adapt to what's the real truth about these players? Probably not. <laughs> keep rolling. He's probably he's going to keep rolling at the same time. I've never seen Chris just broken yeah. before in my life. Chris is so Listen, I was listen. I was on holiday. I was watching that Brentford game with the misses, and she was like, "Why are we still watching this?" And you know the hurt that had me. You know, I was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe I'm That's a killer. That's a killer. Um, you know what's weird. He, he did that. For, he, he, I don't think he can play that four four two without Firmino, you know, because he does all the dog work for the midfielders, and that's you know what that that's sick in itself because the guys that are contracting the summer at, at the top of the diamond, you're saying when Bobby so, unless he, yeah, yeah unless he's playing like the, the, yeah. the number ten role because he he'll yeah, push yeah, back yeah. and he'll fill in for uh, midfielders when so when Henderson's running out like a headless dog, he'll come back and he'll like fill out that position. You know what I mean? He, he does a lot of the dog work, and that's what they've not got at the moment. So. Without Bobby, again, which is six eight, it he won't play that four four two, and obviously he gets injured before we come back from um, come back after the World Cup, and we've not seen that formation since. So that's that's why I'm thinking that he's not he's not done that. But again, you shouldn't be reliant on Roberto Firmino at 31 years old to change to a four four two. Like, what are we doing? Because he's, 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 all he's going to do is just go back. He's going to play 4 3 3 against Brighton. He's finished, man. Look at him. <laughs> I've never him. been. Man's asking rhetorical bro, questions, you know. I'm 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 doing bad right now, man. It, it's peak for me. Like, the I don't want to watch the, these guys play. The thing is, with, with, with Liverpool, I think based off the past three or four seasons, we can see that we're going to have one great season, one terrible season, one great season, one terrible season. And this is just our terrible season. And then we'll be back again next season. And we'll have... 
No, but then those same players rose it, right? For it to be a good season. The same players can't rise it anymore. No, nah, they can't be... rise it. They have to go, bro. They have to go. And listen, I, I, I'm a I'm glass half full kind of guy. So I'm like, surely they're going to get rid of these men this summer. But then, what, what more then do they need I wake up in the morning and I'll see Marco send me a text and be like, Nabi Kai and Ox may get offered new deals. So I'm like, if that's going to happen, then we truly are in the mud. We're done. We're done out here. We may as well all just go off on the sunset and celebrate the one Premier League and Champions League that we saw and then be like, yeah, you know what? It was a good run. See you later. But then, okay, do you know what? You've introduced something good here because I want to ask you guys, I agree Chris struggled to cover it, but Nabi Keita infuriates us all, yeah, for what has been a horrific four to five years. Now, what we are seeing at the moment when Nabi Keita's coming on, I thought Brentford, he was very, very good. Wolves, we he's the only midfielder who can keep the ball, right? Is there a yeah, point to make sick. where we can service it? No, but can we service him? Forget the New Deal thing. Is he a serviceable player that we should be placing more on until the season closes out? I think he's often more than what Jordan Henderson is. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'd say yes. We can make use of him, but you also know the moment you start making use of him, he will break down. First time (laughs) he's played twice in a week is done. It's done. Literally after twice a week is done. I saw a great and sorry, Peter, you can go after me. I saw a great tweet today, yeah, and the person was like. Um, we had three cup finals last season. Naby started in two of them. Guess which one he didn't start in? The one we lost. Hold on a second. The two that he started in, we didn't even win. They both went to penalties. (laughs) How disingenuous people are. His stand base on fucking Twitter are so disingenuous. It doesn't make sense. It's like, you, you, you're bringing up nothing points. He started the other two FA Cup, the FA Cup final, the Carling Cup final. He wasn't even that great. We didn't even win those games. We went all the way to the end to the fucking penalty shootout. Uh, these, these are the points people make for him to start. But to answer your question, yes, we can make use of him, but he will break down straight away. Yeah. I was going to say that. In terms of that rack mid position, I think it's a real problem for us. And um, obviously we know Henderson's going to play there, but he's not really offering a lot of quality. Um, at the moment, and when when Kate did come on against um, Wolves, he saw him go on the ball. He was driving the ball a lot, and um, a lot of ingenuity. Like there was a couple of final passes that were a bit off, but he was going past guys. He was, he was just like you know, what I'm saying he was kind of asking the question of Wolves. And I, Elliot playing there at this moment in time was giving us a real problem. Like if you want me to be honest with you guys, Elliot playing that role at Bradford Rose is giving us a problem in terms of just the fact that he looks like someone who's kind of learning on the job and he doesn't really know how to play that as such in a cohesive. Um, in, co- in cohesion with the team so like I said before he goes out of position to press because he feels like he can go win the ball but he goes by himself and that in turn causes a space in, in, in our midfield and leaves a gap obviously for, for, for Bino and Tio get also targeted and also obviously Elliot being a winger naturally he doesn't track his runners like, and that topic is quite hard to teach that obviously someone like instantly obviously because it's, it's kind of a pessimistic thing in it to be like okay let's I don't know, if someone's if the opposition's got the ball, the centre back's got the ball, then we track my runner just in case it gets to that person. Yeah. Whereas most attackers will think, 
ah, it's not gonna, it's not gonna, it's not gonna go there. F it. Let me leave the, you know what I'm saying. Let me leave the opposition guys. It's not gonna go there. But as a midfielder, you have to think pessimistic, and as a defender, you have to think pessimistic. You have to track your runners, and you have to track um, people that kind of late man runs, third man runs off the ball. But Elliot doesn't really do that. So I think playing Kater there, at least he kind of has that kind of um, mind there of a midfielder, and if he kind of give us the ingenuity. But the problem is, is that like you said, you can't rely on someone like Kater. So it's a bit of a problem. And he also can't run. <laughs> like, I, I, he also can't run as well. So, um, yeah, it doesn't solve our problems, but maybe he can give us a better dimension. It can give us more on the ball, maybe. Here's a question, because I do think the manager, I think the manager's got to take so much blame. I really do. We can talk about individual players. The teams above us, okay, so Newcastle's midfield, for example. Okay, Bruno G's obviously an incredible footballer. He's a really good player. They've got Joe Willick and, and who's the other player that plays long... Joe Linton. Long... Joe Linton. Like, and listen, we're not talking... Brother, they can all run. They can all they run. They can. Oh. No, they can. Oh. They can run. But my point is more like, shouldn't Klopp, given that he's so loyal to his players, and I, I like that he's loyal to his players. Remember, we literally, I literally had a back and forth with Julian about his loyalty to the players. To some extent, I enjoy the loyalty to the players because it, some, some of these players have reached heights because of that loyalty Klopp has in them. Yeah. But shouldn't he, look at these midfielders he has, and think, okay, look, I can no longer play the play, way I used to play, What's a way I can play with this current group of players to maximize their ability? Because I don't that's think why I, that's what I asked our midfield you about is. Mike. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we, and I, I made a point earlier. I just don't think our midfield is as the personnel in there are as bad as they're showing in that in a different setup where maybe it's a bit more conservative. Steve. The manager could get more out of them. So I, I, I ultimately just think, look, you've got Joe Linton in midfield for Newcastle. He's, he's doing well for them, but come on, like. We're not talking about the best midfield in the world Bro, there. Joe Linton, you know? we would be worshipping a player like Joe Linton in our midfield. Bro, we would. That's we the would. scary part. But I just think, I actually, my point, my bigger point is more that the issues do go beyond personnel. They really do go beyond. Personnel is obviously a big thing. If we signed a Casado Bellingham and we had those in midfield, obviously what we can achieve goes from here to all the way up here. Like the scene of the side does raise significantly. But I think, yes, look at the manager. Is the manager doing enough with the current group of players he has at his disposal? And I think the answer is an emphatic no. I think Chris has actually touched on a really good point there about Bobby, because if we're continuing with the Madrid analogy, right, then if Madrid are playing deep and they're working their way up their pitch gradually, you have the likes of Benzema where the ball sticks like glue, right? And ultimately with Darwin, we know we can't gradually build up because the ball doesn't stick like that. It's not a smart, so on and so forth. We... <laughs> To play like Darwin does, you need that speed of build up and athleticism. But to we've play seen Rodrigo up top and still do well. <laughs> so Sorry? we've seen Madrid play Rodrigo up top this season and they've still yeah. done well. You know what I'm saying? They, they've adapted to what they can. But don't you think they've they become more athletic now, though? With yeah, they have. Yeah. So, so I think they're coming out the other side of that now, right? So they had their few years where they had to make do with the downturn of Cruz and Modric's athleticism. I think that's where we are, right? They manage that so much better than us, isn't it? That's, I think that's your point, Mush. As yeah, in, like, yeah, yeah. Modric is dynamic. Like, he's not what he was five, ten years ago, but he's still got legs. Cruz and Casemiro, like, Casemiro, he is fairly dynamic. But Cruz, he was struggling no, at times. Yeah, struggling. No, no, no. And I just feel like our team, Thiago's still got a lot of quality on the board. I think he has shown at times this season. I think Fabinho has improved marginally over the last two, three games um, since, since the kind of World Cup return. Obviously not to the level we want him to, of course. But there is still something to work with there that means that we should be performing to a way more reasonable level than we're performing at right now. And to me, 
the manager has to take a lot of blame. I think the manager's done. And uh, listen, I love the man. I don't, I'm not talking, this is not like weird glam and anic, let's sack him talk. This is just like literally, this is the best manager in the world, or certainly one of them. He needs to do a lot better than what he's doing right now because we've literally seen him do so many weird things this season. He goes to Goodison Park and he starts Carvalho and Elliot, I think, in the same away at Goodison, yeah, in Goodison Park. Three. Brentford, he starts Elliot against Brentford. We literally know what Brentford are about physical side, imposing side. They target Elliot all game. Direct side, they t- he targets him all game and they take him off. And the but man was constantly. But not in the Forest lineup, was, was yeah, not in the Forest lineup. He had Carvalho, Jones, and Elliot in the same team away at Forest. Like the manager's done some weird things this season. I, I, I think it's fine to admit the manager's having a bad time. You can talk about players being out of form, Henderson's not the player he was, Fabinho's out of form. The manager's bang out of form. If, if managers were on the form radar, he's out of form, he's like flipping about yeah, to yeah. like retire in the form he's in at the moment. The manager, the decisions he's making, so. Look, I love him, and I think he will get back to his best, hopefully. But the manager's making really bad decisions, and he's not—he's not doing his best to help us. He's not. What would you guys rank our? Do you know what? Here's an honest discussion. Then Mike's saying there's more we can get out of our midfield, right? In terms of a section of the table, where do you rank our midfield out of the twenty teams? Probably like <laughs> no answers. No, no, no. Do you know what it is? You have to go. You can't just throw a number out there like oh, ninth. You have to go for okay. it. So, okay. okay. No, give me is... a section then. Give me a section of five. Go on. I'll probably go. All right. Let's go. Cities. Cities is not better than cities, right? So, no, um, Arsenal's better than Arsenal. Arsenal's somehow. Even Arsenal have no depth, but they're they're they're. they're, no, they're Arsenal. Odegaard and Partey. Just... Odegaard is incredible. Oh, Xhaka's been fantastic though. Xhaka is. Yeah. It's just it's levels for us, but um, they United, have no depth. United's up there as well, I think. Casemiro. Listen, Newcastle are levels for us. I don't you want you guys to Newcastle. Is United better than us? Huh? Is United better in than us? Of, sorry, mine's, not, mine's not just a personnel thing. Mine is how the midfield operates. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's like the synchronization. United, yeah, United's midfield operates in a very cohesive and clear way in that. Casemiro's the destroyer. Eriksen plays in there with him. He's kind of more creative player. Yeah. Keeps it ticking. Bruno's the risk. Bruno's the risk. It's a very cohesive midfield structure, whereas ours doesn't seem to be that cohesive. So theirs is a bit than ours. I think Chelsea, pff, that's difficult. Chelsea's Chelsea, midfield is washed as well, though. Yeah, yeah, Chelsea, to be fair, I don't even know if we're going to include them in the discussion. Tottenham, I think, I'd, have ours, I'd have ours over Tottenham, you know. I like for a lot, you know. Bro, huh? Who else do you like? I don't, I'm not a big Basuma fan, to be honest with you. Bentenko's quality, that's what I like. Bentenko's good. Yeah, Hoiberg. I mean, Tottenham's before is not bad. Nas, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not having those over ours. So when you go through, it, actually, you see, you see, you Listen, see what I was saying, Mush. Now, so he won't forget it. that Tottenham away performance. Remember that second half, our midfield trying to compete against Spurs, his brother. Fai's just yeah. sitting there rolling his eyes. Yeah, it was. It was, <laughs> it was so, would you? So, guys, okay. So let's suppose we're going to Brighton away next this 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 weekend. You guys would rather have Hoiberg. Hoiberg, Benton Kerr, and whoever the hell, the hell they play in there, rather than our usual midfield. Uh, but but to, to add a point, at this current point in time, yes. At this current point in time, yes, I would. I'm dead serious. Okay. I'm looking straight in your eye, Mike. Looking. Yeah, yeah, I can see you, bro. I can I'm feel telling you. <laughs> I'm not taking the kiss. You know, at mate. this current moment in time, I would take the Spurs midfield, yes. That's crazy. But, there is, do you know what is crazy, Mike? The drop off between last season and this season. Robert, that is very <laughs> That's crazy. crazy. 
That is very crazy. No, nah, I don't know, man. I, I'm not sure. I, I can't have you going to man. I say though, Grob McAllister, yeah, yeah, that's better. Lalana, even Lalana, bro, Lalana is gonna dance on us. Lalana's dribble is gonna dance on Saturday. Lalana this season has been really good. No one should be surprised, by the way, when that when the sheer power of their midfield just absolutely just crushes us. By the way, yeah, Wolves have probably got a better midfield than us. They got a better. They've got better personnel. The in terms of the actual midfield setup itself, it's not better than us. Not better than ours. Yeah, mate, but then they had a good game against us. The per- weekend, I, I said the personnel's better because... Yeah, the personnel, like, yeah. Bro, yeah. Jarmatino Martino is the same age as Glam and he's running around doing bits. It's a bit <laughs> Mate, I still can't go over that assist. So good a few weeks ago. So, Mush, to answer your question, we're probably in like the 8th yeah, or 10th or 7th. 6 to 9 category, yeah? Yeah, probably in that camp there. Which is which. Seems so, we want to win a title with 6 to 9. Is that, is that what we're saying? Where would you have, but that, that being said, though, where would you have put the Liverpool midfield of Ginny, Hendo, and Fab? At I would have best. put it second. That midfield was incredible. People, listen, I've got a word for people who complain about that midfield. That midfield had it all for me. I agree. This, want... So, this, this is the thing. I completely agree with you because I know people that probably would have gone, oh, it's probably like the fifth, sixth best midfield in the country. Are you insane? But they didn't take, they don't take the functionality. They, they, they didn't take the functionality into account. The streets will never forget that chokehold midfield, man. Good Listen, luck. People think I control is all. Midfield. I appreciate that midfield at the time. I loved it, but people, I did as well. people hated it. People hated it. People Listen, you, certain guys wanted saucy ballers. I didn't. I was telling you, man. If you have, I'm telling you, yeah. If you have that midfield now, the 18, 19, 19, 20 midfield, oh, no, we, we probably we, we we probably steam well our way to a title right now. Easily, because goal score is not a problem. They would lock up the it's game. Not, it's not and... an issue, bro. All the talk about we needed goals from midfield. We didn't need goals from midfield. We needed just to. We didn't. We didn't. We never needed goals from midfield. We had our fullbacks creating Mike, fifteen people goals got each. Bored. Mike, people got bored of how we were winning. That's how spoiled yeah. we were. People yeah. got bored of how we were winning every week, and now look at us, bro. Starving. People were annoyed our fullbacks bro, getting first. We won, ti- we won a title, yeah. We won a league title, and the first ping people said was, "How come we can't have a player like Bruno Fernandes in our team?" Piss <laughs> off, man! Like, honestly, like, I hate our fan base sometimes. Apart from the listeners of this podcast, you're all great individuals. Um, but yeah, man, like they got bored. They got we had a they great really, team, and everyone was... got bored. And the thing we is, had a great team, like, how, how can we improved them. How, like, it's, yeah. it's like it's like the principles, like, like and the principles are saying. Mm, can we take Lauren out and put Danny Alves or like, can we, you know what I'm saying? Just like, it's little many deals. Oh yeah, can we take Lauren out and put, I don't know, like this crazy, like, no, like the myth, it, the team functioned very well and that was a great template to follow. And we did The way I cook Genie, bro, I would take Genie back. That, that old Genie anyway. Genie, I'm sorry, brother. And that's the thing, but this is what we have to differentiate. There's a difference between the 2019-2020 Genie and the Genie in 2023. And that's the case with each one of these players we're discussing, right? Exactly. And I I don't think our fam, some of our fan base can get their heads around the fact that all of these players have regressed. All of them. But Fahid, that's because their language is always about... And you you notice it, which is it's always look at what the players have done for the club. But the yeah. discussion is what can they do for the club? Exactly. What can they, 
why why can't mm-hmm. people realize that we need to move from the past into the future and the present? They can't. And this 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 fan base has a huge thing in terms of sentiment with players. That the mm-hmm. the sentiment is mad. Like you you can have chat chat for example. Just because he scored two goals against United, he should stay forever. He, he should never have been improved upon. He was important. Jose, and Jose, it's, Jose Enrique has somehow managed to do a media career out of playing for Liverpool. No, I'm mad, <laughs> it that doesn't is. take a lot, man. It doesn't take a lot for you to be revered by the fan base and everyone to love you and everyone to think you deserve to stay at this club. Like we're we're a really loyal fan base, and that that could be seen. We're as a romantic fan base. Which no one is though. Yes. You know what it is? That's fine. The manager shouldn't be like that. Though, I don't think. I think the yeah, manager, the manager is the biggest romantic exactly. of all. That's the problem. He needs yeah, to be a bit more ruthless. You're right. So like we're in a position now where we have Oxley Chamberlain, Naby Keita, Jordan Henderson. Milner, all still in our midfield and all still playing prominent roles. Like Milner, when he's fit, plays actually a lot of football. You know, so mm. it's insane. It's an insane position to be in. And I like that he's loyal to his players, I do, but there, there has to be a line where you come on. Like, you can't be keeping the same guys together. But loyalty doesn't cover quality, season. right? Loyalty and yeah. quality are not the same thing. That too. That too. So it's just frustrating. It really is just frustrating, bro. And So <sighs> let, let's talk about going forward. Chris, I need to. I need you to get out of whatever sunken place you're stuck in at the moment, and give me some. Well, uh, try. <laughs> give me some uh, something to to feel positive about, right? We've got who have we got coming up? We've got uh, Brighton away, brother. Brighton. I'm just trying to cluster some games together. Okay, so we've got Brighton. Then we've got Wolves away because we'd love to create ourselves more work in the FA Cup. And then no, we've got, got that back to back, haven't we? <laughs> no, we've yeah, got we've Chelsea got... in between. Oh, yeah, we have. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, I was... we, have, we have Brighton, then we have Wolves, then Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. So That's got... a horrible run of games. So in one week. So that, those are the three games in a week. Um... Will we beat Chelsea? You think? I don't think we will. Chelsea suck, mate. Chelsea well, we do suck. We suck as well. So. Yeah, but Chelsea are the lowest of the lows. They they suck, man. They are a bad football. Thing team. is, they suck and they don't have goals. We have Good goals. Grief. If we lose to them, I, I'm packing in for the season. You're not seeing me again because they are bad. That's Listen, that's man, the most to... obvious draw ever. That game. They are so bad. My that's God. That's where he needs to do four four two. By the way, and basically just pin Salah on Koulibaly because that guy stinks. I, I I promise you, Babs is going to chop this up when we don't beat them. He's going to chop it up and post it online straight away. But honestly, I'd be disgusted if we don't beat Chelsea, man, because Chelsea look really poor. Um, obviously, they're a team in transition. They're trying to just, like, switch it up. But right now, if we can't beat that Chelsea team, then there's big problems at Liverpool Football Club. What about Brighton away, brothers? No, no, Brighton away are going to pop us. We're losing that 3-1. Anyone, anyone, anyone that has a bookmaker app on their phone, back Brighton to win by more than two goals. They are us. Relax, relax, party, man. Bro, they're we beating said- us comfortably. They're beating us. I promise you they're beating us. That Ferguson's going to get his first Premier League brace, isn't it? That 18 <laughs> Listen, man. <laughs> Listen, Pascal Gross is a very good set-piece taker. So, I'm just going to say that. <laughs> and Matoma, that guy's going to pop us. Trossard's cooking. Pete, are you saying that you actually have hope that we can take something away from this Brighton game? Be honest. No, I, I, you know, like, 
you know when like I don't know like, like your family members got a problem but you're talking to like someone that's not in your family you, you're not going to say your family members got a problem to someone that's yeah, not yeah, in your family yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying so just you know what if your family members smoking crack what's, what's <laughs> going on man because this is what these guys are doing on a weekly basis and we're not addressing the issue <laughs> Just got to say, you know, he's going through a rough period at the moment, but you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, Listen, you know it'll be fine. I promise you. Know, you, you know it'll be work, fine yeah. after January. You know when you got someone. Why at work, will it yeah. be fine after January? Go on, Chris. Go on. You know when you got someone at work. Yeah, this is what the, the current issue we're dealing with. You got someone at work who smells. You don't know how to actually tell them. You don't know how to tell how to tell them what's going wrong because you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. There's all sorts of stuff going on. This is literally what's going on with Liverpool. Someone smells, and we don't know how to address this properly. But no one wants yeah. to admit. Some some people might be, might admit yeah. that they smell, and they just don't want to come forward. That's the other problem. They suck, man. Wait, 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 wait. Just to, wait, wait, wait. Before you jump in, Peter, why do you think we're going to be fine after January, Fahey? What, what um, because all right. So the the reason I think we're going to be fine after January is because this happens every season. Every January, we're absolutely terrible. And for some reason, from the middle of Feb, we start to pick up some type of form. And my hope is, with um, Jota should be back from March. He should be back from Pretty March. Early. Pretty early. End Pretty. of Jan to March is a long time, brother. Yeah, that's what I mean. After Jan, though, I said after Jan. Hey, I didn't. I didn't say when after Jan. I no said way. after Jan. We'll Guys, be we'll fine from November. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Jota will be back, which should help in terms of like boosting team morale and having another name on the bench. You have Bobby should be back soon. I don't know what's happened to him, but get me Diaz back, man. Yeah, but Diaz ain't coming back, brother. Diaz is in big trouble. That and yeah. that's the reason why they signed yeah. Gakpo because Diaz ain't coming back anytime soon. Boys, why don't you give me some midfield optimism? Give me something man, to work with. I see Chris, give me something, bro. Give me something, brother. I, I don't know, like, guys are just saying attackers, attackers, or buying attackers to cover our problems. Like, bro, the, no amount of attackers could cover our problems, bro. Like, we can't. We're running games. from the issue here, Pete. I don't know why everyone's talking about it. But I don't know. To be honest, though, like, on another point, we've seen teams make top four with just great attacks and rubbish defences. Like, I'll give an example of, like, I don't know, Rashford, the guy that can't be named, Bruno, Martial. You know, when they went at that run, um, and it was literally just their attack. They had Maguire at the back making mistakes, but their attack was, was constantly keeping them. We've seen us. We've had rubbish rubbish defences, but our attacks have got us to the top four. So, I don't know. It's a point that maybe John and Firmino come back and, yeah, we can just outscore teams, as we have done before. Chris, when's the next clean sheet? <laughs> um, might be Chelsea, you know. What, nil-nil? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Bloody hell. That's the I thing though. Goals on that that like what keep saying, goals aren't the issue. I don't know, bro. I think they kind of are the issue. We're we're not scoring enough to win games, man. But yeah, but we shouldn't be having to score three. We, we, should, we shouldn't be having to score three goals to win the game. I think football, goals you know? are a slight issue. I think for they're, they're, I think they're a slight issue because if we're creating about 18 to 20 chances a game and we're only putting away one or two, I think there's a problem there. <laughs> Yeah, people need to stop, show the people need to stop looking at this chances created thing. Yeah, the Leicester game was the biggest example of that. Where we that we literally we end up winning the game, but the amount of chances we miss, like we just we just we miss way too many chances, man. Honestly, I think 
Look, I don't want to dig him out. I love the guy, but Nunes sometimes you just, brother, just kill the game off, please. It's not sometimes; it's most of the time. It's okay most to admit of the that. time. Like, just kill the game off, brother. Like, what are you? Like, what? My opinion is that that's a part of football, though. Like, Mike, like there's no team not... that's just crazy, crazy clinical. Like, yeah, I was agreed. hard. Agreed. Bro, I'm. I'm expecting to score five goals every game, though, bro. I'm asking goals at times. This, this is the thing, though. Goals can't be the problem when one pass slices our entire team in half. No, but goals are a problem. They're not the yeah. problem. Yeah, goals are part. So Liverpool have several problems. Liverpool have a goals problem. Liverpool have a midfield problem. Liverpool have a defense problem. Liverpool have a most Salah problem. Liverpool have a really optimistic here, Mike. Problem. By the way, you're making me and really optimistic. <laughs> I think if you had if you had a pie chart, right? Obviously, the midfield would account for about forty percent of that entire pie, right? But I'd say goals would probably be in the fifteen percentile somewhere. Like it is, it's an issue that you can mention. Just I don't think it's top three, but it is there. It's a finishing issue, not a goals issue. Like it's a clinical. Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe that's yeah, a better yeah, way to put it. It's a finishing yeah. issue. It's, yeah. not up it's, in, it's not up in the creation. I don't think creation needs to be up. It's no, just, you know do you know why I think Fai's got a good point? Because I feel like when you're struggling defensively, you know that okay, the defense just isn't quite what it is. We know that we're going to concede a goal probably in most games. You'd want a Salah or a Nunes just be a bit more clinical. You just hope that. They kind of take it on them just to kind of be like, okay, we, we know that we probably might score a few goals here to win us the game. That's the mentality I think we need to adopt in that. Unfortunately, we are quite thorough defensively. We do concede goals. We do concede loads of chances. And Alison's having to do lots of work. So we'd hope that unfortunately we're going to put pressure on these forwards to score more goals. That's all, that's just where we are at the moment. It's the same. That's just, Not gonna lie, man. Just take me back to Salah and Nunes up front. I was enjoying that. Why did we stop that? Why did Salah we stop Salah ended, ended up on that far right wing again, miles it's away Firmino. from home. It's for me. When, when him, and, him and Nunes being close together was so effective. These it was so games. effective, and that Spurs game, the first half, you just saw yeah. it. Yeah, but there's no for me. Why is that stopped? There's no Firmino. There's no one to play number ten or number or number nine. What fucking it's stick that... ox in there, man. Make him <laughs> do something. <laughs> do what, man? Run his head down. This guy's a stick ox, man. I was going to say, we played a sample with like Elliot right wing and maybe and Salamanino's up top and then like, I don't know who was left wing. I think it was Gav Cavalli or, or, Ch- or, Ch- or Chamberlain. But it can work. Like, 4-4-2 is the most basic formation. Like, fam, like, if you don't know as a striker, one drops, one goals, then why are you professional footballer? Like, he could play 4-4-2 without Firmino, surely. I, I think he could. He, could. he should be playing Gakpo there as a 10. He did it for the Netherlands. Yeah. With... But honestly, I actually do think, good. though... Gapo will help Nunes a lot because if you notice for the goal, Nunes kind of runs from that left channel and Gapo's um, mm-hmm. central. So I actually think hopefully what we can see is those two interchanging positions a bit because I actually think Nunes plays a lot of his best football off that left-hand side where there's less onus of him on him to lead the line and you can kind of just be a bit more peripheral and just time those runs better. Because I actually think one of the problems Nunes has is that he's not very good at using his pace. So Nunes constantly hangs on the very last line of a defence right now when he plays up front for us. When he plays on the left, I think he does what, what sometimes Haaland does. Well, Haaland's never really on the shoulder. He's kind of in front of a defender. And because he knows he's so much quicker than the defender, he'll bend the run and kind of power past the defender just before yeah. the pass is being played. And I think Nunes can do that, but off the left-hand side. I think he's quite got the intelligence to do it from the from number nine. So maybe we can see Gapo and Nunes interchanging games and Nunes make those runs from the left. That's my hope, anyway. Yeah. Cool. Well, I mean, gentlemen, I want to thank you for your time. It's been a bit of a venting session, been a bit of a 
bit of a, you know, getting various things off your chest. I hope it was a, a therapeutic for you as it was for me. Um, ultimately, guys, as I said, thank you everyone for listening. Got so much coming out on the Patreon this week. Something will change, hopefully for the better rather than the worse. I've been your host, Mush. Gentlemen, thank you very much. This has been Cop and Frackers. Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network.